When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another fabulous episode of The Buck Sexton Show. Very special guest in this episode. Matthew Marsden is with us now. He is a British actor. Now, some of you will recognize his voice. Those of you who are watching us on YouTube, which you should subscribe to, or Rumble, rumble.com slash Buck Sexton, youtube.com slash Buck Sexton. Check him out. Uh, you'll see his face. You'll be like, wait a second. I know that guy because you've seen him in Ridley Scott's Black Hawk Down, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, Rambo, just Rambo because it was one of the ones, it was the one that came after the Roman numeral ones, Resident Evil Extinction, Bounty Killer, and the film adaptation of Atlas Shrugged. Matthew, great to have you on, sir. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. All right, so I, I want to start with some of the Hollywood stuff. We're also going to talk about life as a as a Texan now for you. British-born, but now Texan through and through. Uh, you went through getting canceled back in 2010. You can tell us about that. And then America Today. So we we got a lot of ground to cover, but i got to start with this. Of the movies that you were in, and you've got some great ones here, which one was the most fun to actually be a part of? I mean, I think, look, Black Hawk Down is for a lot of my friends from the special operations community, the best military special operations movie ever made. A lot of them would say it's the most realistic mm-hmm. and the best. Um, so I think we can just sort of, and Black Hawk Down's an amazing movie. A lot, I, I might even put it in my top 10. Um, but in terms of fun movies to do, was it Black Hawk Down or was it, you know, I, the Resident Evil stuff was fun. Yeah, I mean, I think... It's really difficult to say, like, which one was the most fun because they all have their things, right? So, like, Black Hawk Down, my first introduction to, you know, it was my first movie in Hollywood, uh, uh, working with the special operations community, which was obviously an amazing – It was for me, it was a really great fit, right? I was like, these are my people. So I enjoyed that, you know, flying around in helicopters, you know, my first experience with a weapon, which was awesome. Uh, so that, and you know, I'm working with Ridley Scott, you know, every day I was on set and I was like, good grief, I'm working with Ridley Scott. It was, it was so amazing and all those different actors. I mean, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, Rambo was a lot of fun, you know, because most of us, you know, generation X's grew up loving Stallone, you know? So when you're there opposite him and he's directing you, I mean, that was really, really quite something. What's he, what's he like? You know, I mean, you know, when he's, when he's doing it, do you just get the sense that he loves he loves making movies even to this day. Or is he is he super focused and intense? Is he pretty laid back? What's his vibe? So um, he directed me, which was which is kind of strange because most people would have him as a as a co star and and whatever, or you know act opposite him. So, but he was he was very well attuned to what an actor needs. So like. I got all my gear, and so so I'll tell you a little bit of a story about about how this movie came about, right? So I get a call from my agent, and my agent's like, um, "Hey, 
they're doing another Rambo. Like, you know, this real, like, dismissive. And I was like, they're doing a what? <laughs> they're doing Rambo? Are you serious? And he was like, yeah. I said, do you want to meet on it? I was like, of course. And actually, I, I read for it originally um, the character of Lewis, which was an SAS guy. And I know a lot of those SAS guys, and they're actually nothing like that character. So I played him the way in yeah. the audition. The he, way that guy, that, was he the guy in the Rambo movie who was the douche, basically? He was a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Yeah. And he's actually the sweetest guy in real life. He's an absolute sweetheart. But um, sorry for that role. And I played it exactly like the guys I know. You know, the gray man, very laid back, very, you know, understated. And he, I, I get a call and they're like, hey, listen, um, Stallone wants to meet you and he wants you to read for Schoolboy. And Schoolboy was actually a, a team's guy. He was a Navy SEAL. And so anyway, I'll, I'll go and meet with Sly. It's a really it's a really funny thing, actually. I go into his office and I'm like, you know, I mean, look, I'm a fan like everybody else. And I go into the office trying to be cool, you know, trying not to get, like, geeked out. And, you know, he, he comes along and we go and sit in his office and he, he, we talk for some time about weapons. Super smart, like super well-read. And I said to him, well, look, he said, I want you to play the character British. And I said, okay, well, I think it'd be cool if he's an SBS guy, you know, Special Boat Squadron guy, because they're the Royal Marines, you know, the, the, they're all from the Royal Marines, and the Royal Marines are the Green Berets, right? So, and actually, my character is meant to take over the franchise from Stallone. So, um, so he, he takes it all in. He's just like a sponge. He takes it all in. And then he walks over to the DVD player and he puts in this DVD and sits down and presses play. And it's like, ba, 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 And I'm like, holy crap, I'm watching Rocky, the trailer for Rocky with Rocky. Balboa hadn't come out then. It was just a very surreal experience for me. And, um, and then when we got, over to, um, we got over to Thailand to do the filming, He'd written all that in, that I'm an SBS guy, you know, done all the research, put it all in. He wasn't afraid, like, of, of taking a good idea that he thought fitted the script, and he just plugged it in. So there it was. So that was that was pretty amazing, man. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. And then w- were you in a Resident Evil movie with, I assume, although I don't, there's so many at this point that I can't keep it all straight, I did play the video game as a kid, uh, the original OG <laughs> yeah. Resident Evil. So I have some familiarity yeah. with it. Uh, but it was Mila Mila Jovovich in it? Yeah. What's yeah, Mila like? was in all she, I know Mila and Paul really well, actually. Uh, Paul Anderson, who's a Brit. Um, and she's, um, she's a real sweetheart in real life. She's a real sweetheart. Um, intense. She's a badass. You know, she... She trains really, really hard for all those films. So, yeah, it's, it's that one there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was like, mm, it's called Resident Evil Extinction. I figure that everyone's going to die in this film. And, of course, you know, they make a lot of money, and so they come back and do another one. And a bit of a, a trivia about that film, that was directed by a guy called Russell Mulcahy, who directed Highlander. And so I was just like, I want to work with this guy. I don't care what it is. I want to work with him. So, so that was awesome. And he did... Uh, the Queen videos back in the day and um, and the Duran Duran videos. So that was a, a great experience working with him. Now, 
you also were an Atlas Shrug, which to our mostly mm-hmm. conservative, although we got people of all kinds of political persuasions who who listen, but mostly conservatives. I, I know my people. Uh, they all know Atlas Shrugged. How, how was that? Well, that was a really interesting thing because, you know, I tend to get both. I've, I've played a lot of heroes, but I've also played a lot of villains. And so, you know, they cast me as James Taggart. And really, I would have loved to have played Hank Reardon. Um, but so I got cast in it as James Taggart. And I'm like, okay, so who will I base the character on? I really wanted to take someone and base the character uh, on that individual. And I just thought that John Edwards was a really good fit for uh, uh, for James Taggart. So that's what I based the character so, so on. So the, you know? the slimy... South Carolina yeah. <laughs> politician who was almost the Democrat nominee for president and who still to this day is the only person I've ever heard on television when caught cheating on his cancer stricken wife. Do you remember this? He said in the interview, I do, I do. well, she was in remission when I cheated on her. No, no, just that was a real lawyer. Just, that was a real ambulance chaser no. moment for that guy. <laughs> well, every now and then you get the veil slips, right? And you get the real person. And uh, apart from with Trump, who's the, the real person all the time. Um, but yeah, I wanted to base on that. And, and you know, I'd not heard of Ayn Rand. So I do, I went and read, I read the Pantheon and I, I got into Atlas Shrugged, of course. And when you get to the end, it's like that, you know, that meme that you see, it's like, are we the baddies? I'm like, I don't want to play. I didn't really, I wanted to play Hank Reardon. Uh, so there's still time, right? Because the Daily Wire are going to go and do, they're going to reboot Atlas Shrugged. So who knows? I wouldn't yeah, no, I, look, I, I, hope, I hope that so. there's a lot more. Uh, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily even conservative content, just traditional entertainment content that can be made. That's not all this, this woke crap, but we'll get, we'll get into that in a second. But from our sponsor, okay. T, uh, from our sponsor, Norton LifeLock, if you're a T-Mobile subscriber, guess what? There's data breach. 37 million customers have their information exposed. Cyber hackers get that stuff. They take out loans and credit cards in your name. How do you find out about this? Usually when the collections company calls you, which is how you don't want to find out. So what can you do about this? That's where, that's where LifeLock comes in. Their online identity theft protection includes monitoring the web 24-7 for regular activities and new account openings. If they see unusual activity in your name and you're a LifeLock customer, like I've been now for five, six years, you'll get an alert. Comes via text, email, phone, you name it. Make sure that you're ready and you know. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. And if you do become a victim of identity theft, a LifeLock US-based dedicated restoration specialist will work with you to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but it's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now, save up at 25% off your first year with promo code BUCK at lifelock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK. That's buck uh, promo code BUCK at lifelock.com. You'll get 25% off or 1-800-LIFELOCK. Call that number. Sign up today. All right, sir. Um, by the way, there's another actor who played Cyclops with the same last name. No mm-hmm. relation? No, everyone asks me that. It's really weird because it's kind I'm of sure a, it's kind of an unusual unusual name, right? Like I've never I, I've never the only two Mars Dens I've ever known of are two guys who are both actors and you know kind of look alike. So you do you, have you guys ever like people have um have rage tweeted at me before because I share the same last uh, n- name as some like extreme leftist uh, writer and they're like 
this guy your cousin? You got to tell him to shut up. You know? I'm like, I have no idea who this idiot is. Like, this yeah. has nothing to do with me. Uh, have you and have you and uh, and Cyclops? Um, you know, James Marsden. Have you have you guys ever like just talked to each other a little bit? But like, hey, other Marsden. No, I haven't. I'm sure he's probably getting it worse than me. Trust me. I mean, so I I kind of get like. I get the, the trolls saying, uh, oh, I loved you in the X-Men. I'm like, oh, that's so funny. You are so funny. But you know what's weird? Like, so in England, it's kind of a traditional English name. I mean, it goes back to the Doomsday book, right? So when I come over here, it's really funny. You know, when you go through uh, the checkout at the grocery store, yeah, yeah. it's always like this. Sounds a little Thank you, Mr. Mr. Mer- 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 it's okay. It's okay. Close and I just off. take the receipt yeah. and go. They can't say it. They, it's it's very strange. It's for an Englishman is well now an American, but uh, for someone from England, it's very strange because it's it's a very old name. Do you have to adjust your accent based on the expectations of the character you're playing? As in, I always find this fascinating. Do you know Leilani Doubting? By the way, she's. Uh, I do. I do. Yeah, she's uh, she's awesome. Yeah. She's awesome. A lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we had her on the show. And I talked to her about this and, and how, you know, she has a posh accent and you know, we're doing this whole thing. But I think it's funny because in theater and film, the English accent is whatever. It's a historical piece. Even if it's set in ancient Rome, they have British accents, right? Because that makes sense to people for some reason. <laughs> and then the fancy people sound like fancy Englishmen. And the, uh, you know, the the sort of the the stonemasons and the uh you know the guys the proles whatever they all have like a cockney accent so do you have to switch in and out depending yeah you do it is funny i had a a conversation with a producer about that uh once when i I was he offered me a job and i was in his in his he got this amazing room in the studios in warner brothers and he was watching troy do you remember troy oh yeah great brad yeah so the, so the trailer came on and he was like, oh, everybody, why is he doing an American accent? Like everyone should do a British and a, British accent and a historical epic. You know, I was like that. I'm okay with that. It keeps me uh, fed and watered, you know, by doing the British accent. But uh, I think it's one of those things where distant, so it allows the audience to kind of separate uh, uh, from the characters. So therefore mentally kind of gives them that kind of space. You know, to say it's like old, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I've had the funny thing about being a British actor is that agents, especially, think you can do everything, like just everything. I I got called one day and they were like, "Hey, Matt, uh, we have an audition for you tomorrow," and I was like, "Okay," and they were like, "It's seventeen pages in a Louisiana accent." And I said, "I don't know what that is." <laughs> so I'll I, tell I you something. Do that. I'll t- I'll tell you something. I find that when British actors do um, variations on the American accent, they're much better than when they're just like trying to sound like an American, you know, they, they, which I I can sniff you guys out usually with your American standard American accent. But if they do a Southern accent, if they do, you know, if they really lean into something that has a, a particular localized flavor to it, it's uh, they're they're generally it's more passable. It it sounds more authentic. Uh, maybe just because that's not yeah, what well, I'm always used to hearing. Well, there's a reason for that, and you know, I mean, I can hear it as well. I mean, I can really hear Americans doing British. They're not very good at it. 
uh, the women are, the women are passable, but for the most part, you know, everyone speaks like this. But so here's a little bit of a thing to do the accent. So the first thing with Americans is, and, and this is a, a common misconception, uh, Americans tend to say, like if I said that I was going to go to the store, right? I'd say, I'm going to go to the store. Americans would say, I'm going to the store. I'm going to the store, right? So people see the inflection on the on the I, right? Like the me. Right. So then that, that will give a lot of people, that's why, you know, Americans in Europe or, or to Brits, they'll go, oh, you know, they're full of themselves or they're all about me. And it's not, it's just the inflection on that, on that particular, you know, word, me, I. Uh, and then the other thing to do is, uh, the reason why Brits do Southern accents so well is because it's more sing-song, right? It goes up and down. Yeah. Whereas if you want to do an American accent, like what you first do is you close your mouth so you don't really move your mouth much, okay? So And then you make it like a letterbox. That's pretty good. And you good. push the sound yeah. back to here. And then, you know, you, you go down on the second diphthong mostly. So really, you don't go up and then down. So... There you go. Pretty good. So that's the way you do it. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. It's almost uh, as if I should be an actor. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it's like guys been in some been in some good stuff in Hollywood. Speaking of which, mm. uh, I want I want you to tell everybody how you broke in because I always think that's such an interesting, uh, interesting discussion. Um, and I'll, I'll come back to you with that in one second. But do you have a my pillow? By the way, real question: We got to hook you up. Do you? Do. Oh, you do. I actually do. Well, well, I do, uh, or I did. I did have one. All right. We're gonna get you. Well, I had one before I moved. We're gonna get you hooked up because my pillow is a sponsor of this podcast. So the my pillow Giza Dream sheets right now, amazing deal on them for everybody out there. Twenty nine ninety eight with promo code Buck. It's time to update your sheets, my friends. Buy a set of Giza Dream sheets made with the world's best cotton Giza. Cotton comes from a region of Egypt by the same name. Incredibly soft, durable, luxurious cotton is grown there. Giza sheets are ultra soft and breathable. They've got a great-looking appearance, and they just stay crisp and fresh and fantastic over time. MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. You get eight weeks of sleeping every night on these sheets to make sure you love them. So nothing to lose, so much to gain, like a great night's sleep night after night. Go to MyPillow.com, click on Radio Listener Specials, check out the flash sale on the Giza Dream sheets. Remember, use my name as the promo code BUCK. That's MyPillow.com, promo code BUCK, or call 800-792-3269, 800-792-3269. All right, so Matthew, I wanted to uh, ask about how you broke in. It's funny because there's this meme that's uh, going around, and it's a segment of an interview with, God, I can't remember, he's like, a, you know, he's a well-known actor. He's in The Notebook. You know, he, you know what I'm talking about? That guy. He's the Ryan Gosling. Yeah, Ryan Gosling. Thank you. Ryan Gosling, and he's just telling, he's talking about what it's actually like. And it's funny because it reminds me a little bit of trying to get into like political or news media, too. There's people that see it when you've been doing, like, I've been doing this now, this is my 13th year, I guess. Um, and that was after, what, five years in the CIA. Um, people see this and like, oh, I want to do that. I'm like, well, if you want to do this, understand that it means you're going to do a lot of things for free over a long period of time. Uh, for very small audiences, for very little appreciation, people are going to tell you you're not that good at it. People are going to tell you that you should find other things to do. You know, so that's the the news media short version of it. I mean, I can give sort of more details one day if people care. 
Um, but on the uh, Gosling thing, he says it's like you show up to the audition. All these other guys are handsome and ready to go. You find out that somebody already basically has the part. So then you're just doing it as an exercise. And then you go out and you have a parking ticket waiting for you on your car, which you didn't see uh, that it was in a zone where you couldn't park because that's where the audition sign was set up. And anyway, is like, what was it like breaking in? Well, you know, that's absolutely what it's like in Los Angeles. I've got to tell you, it's, it, that is exactly right. So I think the difference is uh, between coming from England and doing it is that you never really think. The great thing about America is that you can walk off the street and become an actor and become a star and wait, make millions of dollars. The bad thing about America is that you can walk off the street, become a star and make right. millions of dollars, right? As you've seen by a lot of the comments of the people uh, that are in that industry. And, and I believe, you know, one of my, one of my thoughts on that is they have a guilt because it's something that they haven't really earned. Uh, but that's a conversation for another time, maybe. But so, but for me, um, I grew up in a very, I actually went to the same school as Tolkien, which is pretty cool. Uh, and I had a dream of being an actor. It was either like, Going to go and be a late. I come from a very like poor background, right, with a single parent, and so I always dreamed of. I loved American movies. Always dreamed about going to America. Always dreamed about American films, but that was never going to happen, you know. But as it turned out, I was really good at learning um, lines and and good on stage. So there's a filter process in the UK, right? So you have to be good at theater first you got to get in at theater and i got in at, to something called the national youth theater which is like the premier uh um kind of young actors go there um everyone you can think of helen mirren Derek jacoby um daniel craig you know all those guys all went through the national youth theater and so that's that was kind of a calling card for me like people take you really seriously if you've managed to get that if I didn't have that, I would, I would have had a real uphill struggle because it's very much an old boys network. Oh, you know, you're 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 son. Okay, uh, come on in. Um, somebody, and I, but what happened with me was I got that, and then pretty much on my first audition, I got a show called Emmerdale, which is at the time was the third biggest show in the country, and that was crazy. I did that for like three months, and then. My second audition, I got the biggest show in the UK called Coronation Street. And this is, it's a soap, but it's like, it's a national institution. You know, the Queen used to sit down with the Queen mom to watch it. Uh, so it was a big deal. Like Ian McKellen's been in it, Joan Wally Kilmer's been in, been in it. Um, everyone wants to be in that show because it's kind of like a real cult classic. It's a, a British institution. And I was in that for, I think, four months. I won the Best Newcomer Award at the National Television Awards. I didn't expect that at all. And um, and then from there, I decided I was only going to be in it for a year. And most people, especially with that kind of success, stay in it forever. But they never leave. They, you know, they're there for 40 years, have a good living. But I always saw myself as I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to be better, uh, see how a better actor, not better than the show. I just wanted to, to challenge myself. And so I actually left there and I, I, uh, I got a recording contract with Columbia records, which was, which was cool. So I did that for a year or so. And wait, what kind I of like rock, rock music? What were you doing? 
No, it was more like R and B. I actually did a single with Destiny's Child, which was with Beyonce, which was uh, which was kind of interesting. Uh, you were was, an R and B singer. Like, I mean, we're going we're going deep yeah. into the into the reality <laughs> here. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, people discover this about. I don't tell many people, you know, because uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't really talk about it much. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty cool. I uh, went around Europe singing. Um, here's the thing in the UK, like for me, it was a survival thing, right? I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to get into movies, but I'll probably get into theater. And if I get into theater, I need to do more than just theater. I need to do musical theater as well. So I learned how to sing. So I've got to singing classes so I could just open up my possibilities of work. It was just survival, really. So. Um, but I always had that flavor, you know, because I wasn't like massively classically trained. So I always had a little bit of the, a bit of the soul. So um, I did that. Then I, um, I found out that there was a movie being made called China with Michael Caine. And so I took a year off and I trained with a, a guy who was the WBC super middleweight champion of the world. It was a boxing film. So I trained with him for a year in a it's kind of cool in a, in a power station in Telford. It was like this huge, like industrial power station. So I trained with him for a year and then I auditioned for the role. And, um, and when they asked me, you know, could I fight, could I box? I said, I'll fight anyone for this role. So you can put me in the ring with anybody. I'll fight for it. And, um, I got that role. And because Michael was, um, nominated for cider house rules at that time, everyone, there was a lot of focus on this film. And who's this kid? You know, it's like kid, I was 28, 27, you know, who's this kid who's in this movie with Michael Caine and who's holding his own opposite him and Star Wars. I was auditioning for Star Wars at that time. I was, I was getting whittled down. So my name was going around Hollywood. And the thing about Hollywood is they want to get on whoever's the new thing. So, you know, we have a reputation as British actors as being kind of serious actors and, um, and this is pre-MCU, right? It's pre-before all the big roles went to British actors. Um, and, uh, and, and I had a manager, I had a few managers come over and agents come over and ask me, fly to London and ask me to come to America. Uh, and so I said to one of them, I really vibed with, I said, okay, uh, I'll see you on Friday. And she went, Nobody ever does that. Brits always say they never do that. So I bought a plane ticket, came over and I got Black Hawk down. Wow, so you came and, to America um, and you you hit Blackhawk down on your first yeah. shot in America. Yeah. Which as you well yeah. know, I mean one of the I think one of the greatest war certainly the greatest modern war movies of all time. Um mm. and Ridley Scott, I mean if I could pick somebody to do a historical epic or a war movie, um Ridley Scott would be my first choice, right? If I got to like write my dream script, I think Ridley Scott would be the director that I would want. So obviously Gladiator, if those watching uh, Gladiator is a Ridley Scott movie, absolutely phenomenal. There's so many of them. Um, so that's really cool. Is that how you got linked in with the uh, special operations community and the military side of things? I know mm -hmm. you're a big military supporter. Yeah. So I didn't know what a Ranger was. I had no idea. I thought Rangers were like Texas Rangers. You know, I, I had no idea. So we came over and we did, um, we did a week of training, like intense training. That was kind of the thing back then. You know, they did it with um, they did it with Pearl Harbor. 
I think they did it with Private Ryan as well, saving Private Ryan. Yeah. But so we came over, we went to Fort Benning and it was really useful. You know, we, we, they said, this is range orientation. It is not rip. You know, you are not going through ranger school. That's not what it is. Um, and so we were right. We were like, okay. And they, they taught us a lot of stuff there. And one day we're outside the, um, CQB area where they were teaching us to go in and clear houses. And there was a guy sitting under the under the tree. It was like a hot day, and it was a couldn't have been any older than like 22, 23 years old. And I said, um, you know, doing the actor thing. So why did you join? You know, because for me, my buddies that joined the military were like, you're either going to go to jail or you're going to go in the military, right? I mean, it wasn't like they didn't do it for any kind of like love of country, to be honest. And so this guy said. Um, I joined for freedom, to fight for freedom. And that was like just a shocking thing for someone to say to me, you know, because that's mocked in Europe, you know, like, oh, freedom fries, Americans, man, freedom. Not that I ever felt that way, but, you know, you hear that all the time. And and to have a guy sitting in front of me who, who was going to put his life on the line for freedom, and not just like America, I did it for the United States, like for freedom. And I said to him, you'd die for me, wouldn't you? And he said, yes, sir. And I just thought, this is just the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. I want to know who these men are. I want to know why they're willing to do this. I want to know more about this country. Because, you know, you, 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 in your young head, right, all I'm thinking about is I'm going to go and get another movie. I'm going to get another movie. I'm, blah, 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 blah. I'm not really thinking about, you know, the fabric of, this country and why it's so great and um that really like spun me off on a voyage of discovery to see like why is america so great why are these guys so willing to promote freedom what freedom isn't it always there like you know that because you grow up under that kind of ignorance i guess i mean as as brits we were very close right but there was a little bit the channels was the only thing for a while that was stopping us uh, getting um, invaded, but um, the concept of freedom and liberty is not explained like it is here, or used to be. I don't know if it is so much anymore. So uh, you know, I started on that journey of looking into why is America so great? Oh, there's this thing called the you know revolution. There was. I wonder why I was never taught it at school, and I read it and I'm like, hang on a minute. I'd be on the side of the colonials, right? I'd be on their side. I wouldn't be on the side of the British. I'd want to fight against them. And and then you find out by George Washington and, and just an incredible person. And then all those people coming together to create, um, you know, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. And you're just like, this is the greatest thing. This is just the, the greatest thing ever. And then, of course, you want to, that extrapolates out right to different things like why why you know the states like this finding out the history and then it's very difficult not to get involved right very difficult not to get involved uh because you realize that it's a very precious thing that should be fought for i want to ask you about your um situation of cancellation in hollywood which you had Mm. mentioned to me um, and uh, I want you to dive into that for us uh, in just a second. But I also want to ask the audience how their energy level is these days. 
Are you feeling as fit and energetic as you think you could? Because you can get it all dialed in with Chalk. Chalk provides supplements that help so many men and women already in this audience. you got to try it out for yourself. I learned about Chalk about a year ago. They make the most effective supplements that bring your energy levels back to an optimum level. They spent years looking for the right helpful ingredients and organize them into products especially made for men and women. If you're looking for an answer that's a little more developed than a second cup of coffee after your first three cups of coffee, in my case, that's like five, check out Chalk's Male Vitality Stack or the Female Vitality Stack. Each one is formulated to help maximize your everyday potential. Chalk is the website, C-H-O-Q, that's C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Buck, when you make your first purchase on the site. Get 35% off any Chalk subscription for life. Uh, 35% off when you go to chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Buck, as your promo code. Your subscription can be canceled anytime. You're not locked into anything, but 35% off for life, and you're going to love these products. C-H-O-Q.com, promo code Buck. Go check out Chalk. All right, Mr. Marsden. So what happened? Mm-hmm. You're, you get Blackhawk down. You're in all these cool movies. You know, you get to you get to hang out with uh, Mila Jovovich, who when I was like a teenager, I thought was like amazing. And uh, you get to hang out with Sylvester Stallone, who's, I mean, you know, Schwarzenegger Stallone. People go back and forth. One of the greatest action heroes of all time. Number one or number two, mm-hmm. I think, in any reasonable world. But then you hit some issues. What happened? Well, I mean... It- I think really, it's kind of weird. It, it, it kind of all comes together with uh, what I was saying about before. I started like becoming more aware of things like I got married. Uh, I got more into my faith. Right. So, so that straight away is like, you know, I'm not doing that job. I'm not doing that job. I'm not doing that job because, you know, there's a conflict. But that that still didn't matter because I was still getting enough work in. And then I went to a um, a couple of friends of mine said, "Hey, listen, we want to do a pitch to a group of investors so we can just do family friendly movies." That was it. It was just like you know, kiddie movies. Uh, will you come out with me and and do that? I was like, yeah. So I went out with them, and it was um, a group of Republicans, and I wasn't like nor here nor there on politics at that point. I mean, I was asking a lot of questions. I asked a lot of questions because I thought that the stuff with Obama, when people just, you know, when they were talking about Reverend Wright, that kind of, I had had a few issues with that, right? Because I was saying, well, either, you know, you have been in that pew for 27 years or however long it was and you actually listen to him and you believe him, uh, which is a problem, or you've been in that pew for 27 years and you haven't listened to him, which is then a problem because what are you doing going there? So, you know, and I, I was just asking these questions. I was understanding that that was my first kind of experience of, of people not answering the question, right, because it was uncomfortable. So anyway, um, I went to this thing, which was a bunch of Republicans, and as I'm coming out, uh, there was a reporter there who said, hey, uh, Matt, what are you doing here? Because I'd just done Rambo, and then I'd just done Transformers, and I've spent six months on Transformers, so it was a, it was a long film, uh, which they, they managed to mess up my credit at the end of that, like to the delight of all the trolls, but it was. But anyway, I come out, and this the reporter says that, and I said, oh, you know, I'm just here uh, for family-friendly movies, to, to raise money for family-friendly movies. 
And then a few days later, the Huffington Post did an article out there. It was one of their contributors. And it was basically saying that, what was I doing here with all these conservatives? And the phone stopped ringing. And that was it. Like, you know, because you're going for meetings with people and they'll love you. And then all of a sudden it just goes away. And that article was really damaging because there weren't many people back then that were speaking out about politics. And what it did was the first movie after that, I was hired by a bunch of libertarians to do Atlas Shrugged. So I didn't work for a year. And then everything, you know, well, if you're not if you're not working, then what is your worth in the industry? Like, what what is your worth to your agents, to your managers, and and that's it. You just so I had to kind of go. Okay, um, that happened. So I need to pivot, and because I'm a survivor, you know, I started looking into you know doing writing, producing, doing other things. I'd still get the the odd job now and then, uh, and then again that kind of went really out the window when I out my gob about um, the vaccine and about mandates because I just thought this is it. I, I just, this is something. And by the way, I never said anything political. I was not political at all. Never said a word. Um, there was no reason for them to think that I was being political. But it, it, my cancellation, even though many people wouldn't know it, I was on the up, right? So they were like, okay, we've got to shut that guy up. And there was there was a lot of, there were ripples throughout the acting industry. And people were like, hey, listen, you know, better not say anything because that's what's going to happen. What's going to happen to him will happen to you. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons, One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Yeah, I've, I've had conversations before. Uh, with friends in the, uh, let me let me think, uh, friends from the arts, um, including mu- mm-hmm. like the theater, like Broadway, friends from even the uh, fitness influencer world, friends who have done stuff that's really pure history or inter- who are saying, hey, I I think I want to, I think I want to start speaking my mind and be conservative. And I always say, look, this is what I do. I love it. It's amazing. I love my job. I love my audience. I love what I get to do. You just need to understand the following things that it's once once you, you once you pull that lever, there's no there's no unpulling it. Right. Yeah. Once you ring that bell, you can't unring it. And it comes with stuff. And, you know, you're seeing even just wanting to learn, be just be being curious, being willing to ask the important questions and not accepting 
bullcrap answers, that actually alone is enough to get you canceled in a lot of in academia, in mm-hmm. Hollywood, certainly in the news media, if you're not an out of the closet conservative. So that is the reality um, that people end up seeing and facing. And by the way, even in the CIA, when I was I was a CIA officer uh, and uh, the the people that were always uh, I felt engaged in kind of partisan sniping where it was always the libs, always the mm-hmm. big libs. No people that would complain about something called a Hatch Act violation, which somebody actually complained about me for when I was there, which is like talking about, you know, Repub- like literally talking about uh, politics in a pro-conservative way in the office. Some people would report you like, you know, like you're supposed to be arrested by the Stasi or something. Anyway, that's the reality of it, unfortunately, because the left is insane. On to happy things. What are you doing now? I mean, I, I know that, you know, you're active on Twitter and you've got you got a following that loves that. We have an actor with some awesome credits to his name who still loves freedom in America, a Brit who has become an American, a Texan, which is some would argue the first or second best kind of American after a Floridian. But anyway, close to be sure. So so what's up? What's up for you now? What's on the agenda? Well, um, I mean, firstly, yeah, I'd like to say that the reason why I started speaking out was because, you know, my relationship with the veterans of America and, and, you know, being so privileged to become an American. I think that that combination really made it so that I, I couldn't see that, that tyranny that I was seeing and what I was seeing in California, like keep going on without saying anything because I just felt like that would be very cowardly, especially when you have a bunch of guys that, you know, lose their lives, they, they lose their limbs for my freedom. So, you know, when it, when the COVID thing came around, I was just like, I'm not doing this. Like, you're not going to do this. I'm not going to come to America, be an American and you're going to force this on me. It's not going to happen. Especially if you look at all the, um, all the information was actually there. If you took five minutes to sift through it, you know, uh, it was very clear that none of it made any sense. And so I was like, you know what, you guys like canceled me before. So here we go. I'm just going to open my mouth and, and that is it. And I think, Buck, that that what what we should be doing, and conservatives are really bad at this, is sticking together, right? We don't look after the people that are in these these difficult situations. And I was seeing people getting really stressed out, uh, panicking. I'd see them on Twitter because I didn't I didn't want to say anything, but I saw them on Twitter, and they're like, "What am I going to do? What am you know?" I feel isolated, so I'm like, well, here we go. This is my opportunity to reach out to people and perhaps even in my own little way help them. Uh, so anyway, that was that. But what am I doing now? I, um, you know, as it turns out, I'm a pretty good writer. Uh, I've, I've, uh, my first script that I wrote, I sold. My second script I made into a film that I directed. The third one was, um, was although not purchased was, uh, went up the flagpole at one of the, uh, one of the biggest companies in the United States and they want to work with me. So I'm writing right now, even though I'm just like the world's worst writer. They were like, they were like, listen, um, let's work together. I'm like, and I'll just write it on my own time. You know what I mean? Because I don't like the pressure of, uh, of doing something. And, And also, there are so many people that think they can do something. Like you say, you know, oh, I can act. Oh, I, I can do what you do. You're like, actually, you know, that's really hard. So for me to be spoken to as a writer is really hard. 
it's a it's a real difficult change of mentality so i'd rather just like do it and see where it goes uh, i was meant to direct a film this year that's been um put on hold and act in a movie actually that they've both been postponed which happens all the time uh for the next you know couple of weeks at least and then we'll figure out what we're doing with it but but you know i've just been i've been super busy doing that i've got baby another baby on the way which i have 300 children amazing so uh yeah this is baby uh it's my ninth child wait are you serious so, uh yeah i'm dead serious yeah yeah i'm dead serious you have nine kids i have nine kids that is amazing it's hard to hide you know that you you uh you're open to life when you have that many kids like there's no there's no hiding so uh yeah no i'm doing that oh i've got a movie i just did uh i did in november that will be coming out pretty soon it's going to be very controversial i'd say it's going to be super controversial great um but um yeah no but it's 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 going to be great i know a guy um i I know a guy who co-hosts the biggest radio show in the country um that has millions of people uh every day listening you should tell him when these projects come out and you can come on the very large radio show and talk to him and his uh, best buddy, Clay, about what you're doing. Right on. I will. I'd love that. If I'm welcome, that would be awesome. You are more than welcome. Uh, yeah. Do you have a website or anywhere where people can go to check out what you're up to? Uh, well, I just have my, if they want to see who I am and, and look me up, it's MatthewMarsden.com and Matthew D. Marsden is my handle at Twitter. I'm really bad. Like I'm really, I really suck at that. Like I'm kind of the old school guy that really, what I would like to do is go and do my work and disappear into the background and nobody know anything about me. But, uh, but things have changed, haven't they? I mean, things aren't like that anymore. Everybody's but, uh, a marketing brand. It's just a question of I know how much they're doing it and what they're marketing. So Matthew Morris and everybody. Hey man, it has been an honor. I hope you'll come back and hang with us in a few months. Uh, as we roll along here, we'll follow up on some of this stuff. And, uh, thanks for, Thanks for the chat. It was good to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you too. Who's there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is severely injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans and who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise their In the Line of Duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America in so many ways. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institutes educating kids in K-12 through grades to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes, Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org.